right. How are we doing? You guys look good from here, let me tell you that. You guys smell good too. Some of you. Merry Christmas to you all. If you are visiting for the first time in the church, I want to welcome you. If you are part of the church family, I want to welcome you as well. If you're worshiping with us online, we are so glad that we get to celebrate Christmas together. And I just want to take a few minutes so we can finish our series that we started a few weeks ago, our Advent series, in which we have been looking at a set of names given to Jesus by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says that Jesus, Jesus is called this child that will be born, a son that will be given, and he receives four names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And tonight, for a few minutes, I want us to meditate on the, on the last name in that list, Prince of Peace. Now, if you have been with us, uh, you probably already know that what we have been doing is uh, grabbing each one of those names and giving an statement that goes along with those names. So, for example, the first week, we said that Christmas is, is both the most offensive and the most wonderful message ever proclaimed. The second week, we said that Christmas is about the wonderful counselor of truth and tears. The third week, we talked about Christmas is about the mighty God that came to redeem and redefine the concept of power. Last Sunday, Pastor Eric said that Christmas is when eternity entered time and made a new kind of family, the everlasting Father, and today this is the statement. Christmas is about the Prince of Peace breaking into a world of anxiety. Christmas is about the Prince of Peace breaking into a world of anxiety. I need you to do me a favor, just to make you uncomfortable, because that's what it's supposed to do in Christmas. Uh, can you look at the person next to you and ask this question? Are you an anxious person? Go ahead, go ahead. All right, I, I didn't ask you to answer. I just asked you to ask the question, right? If you're sitting next to your loved ones, they probably already know the answer. I think it's an important question because I want us to be honest. This is a family celebration, and I want us to be honest. And I wonder if there's anybody in this room or worshiping with us online that is not craving for peace like crazy. Is there anyone, please don't raise your hand, but is there anyone in this room or worshiping with us online that is not craving for peace like nothing else? I mean, I think that we should all be desperate for peace. Amen? If you're not desperate for peace, probably you are living in a bubble completely divorced from the rest of the world. If you're not desperate for peace, you probably are not watching or hearing the news ever. Or if you're not desperate for peace, and I, and I hope I'm not, I don't mean to offend you, but there's something wrong with you. I mean, just look around the world and look at what's happening and look at what has been happening. I don't think that anybody in this room or worshiping with us and I could say, man, I love the way things are. Loving life. I don't think that anybody could say that. I think that whether you acknowledge it or not, we are all craving for this supernatural peace. So that's what we got to talk about tonight. So the first question is, why would I say that Christmas is about this Prince of Peace? It's important for us to understand that the word 
prince in the text that is used to describe Jesus. He's talking about him as, a, as someone with spiritual authority. That name could be translated as Jesus as the ultimate commander or the one in charge of everything. What is interesting, though, about that term is that every time he's used in the Old Testament, he's describing a person with, with, uh, with spiritual authority that uses that authority for the sake of his people, for the sake of his loved ones. Therefore, if we apply that name to Jesus, we are saying that Jesus is the prince for the people. He's not a prince that is seeking to get things from the people, but he's a, a king that is seeking to help his people. Now, you're probably already familiar with the term peace in the Old Testament, and it's the word shalom. And usually when we think, even as Christians, um, about peace, we tend to reduce the concept of peace uh, to something similar to the absence of problems or struggles. We apply the same principle when we talk about joy, for example. We think that joy is the absence of problems or struggles. It is important to understand that the peace of Jesus is not something that is ever bound to circumstances. The peace of Jesus is supernatural. Actually, I want to argue that everything that Jesus gives is never bound to circumstances. That nothing that Jesus gives can be taken away from you because everything Jesus gives is a gift and cannot be taken away from you. So, for example, his love for you is not bound to your behavior. I hope you know that. His presence in your life is not bound to your faithfulness. I hope you know that. His commitment toward you is not bound to your obedience. I hope you know that. And his peace is not bound to anything you do or don't do. Anything you have or don't have, everything you practice or don't practice. His peace is a gift, and his gifts are never taken away, and are never bound to circumstances. So the question, of course, is, what is peace then? What is shalom in the Bible? Well, I think that the word shalom is translated in different ways throughout the Bible, but Three good words for you to understand what the Bible means by the word peace or shalom is this. It's this sense of completeness, of soundness and well-being. It's almost like an internal condition, an internal state that is supernatural, that gives you this sense of being complete. Knowing that everything is going to be okay, even if nothing is okay. Is the sense of soundness. It's if you knowing that somehow God is working all things together for your good. It's the sense of well-being. Even when you are either physically or emotionally or spiritually drained. I want to paint the pictures for you to get the concept. Because there's a story in the Old Testament that I think it helped us. And I'm assuming that many of you are familiar with the story, at least the first chapters of the story of Job. I actually think that he's a great example of the peace that we're talking about here. So let me, let, me, let me just share that, just a few of the first two chapters, just for you to get an idea. The Bible tells us that Job was a man that loved the Lord and walked in communion with the Lord, had a relationship with the Lord. 
This is a man that has a beautiful family and is respected and admired by the community. He's a man that has uh, a secure financial prosperity. He's a generous man. But the Bible tells us that Satan wanted to make his life miserable. And in a number of days, he takes everything, starts to take everything from him. He loses his wealth and he loses his family in just a number of, in a number of days. But look at how Job responds, and he shows you what peace looks like. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you see how it is possible for a man to lose everything and yet feel complete? Now the story continues. And he tells us that Satan now is messing around with his health. Now, this is super interesting because he is married to this loving wife. And the wife approaches him and says, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. So much for spiritual support. So much for emotional support. Maybe, maybe she's not a good lady. Maybe there's something wrong with that lady. Or maybe she's struggling because she has lost it all. But she does not have the peace that Job has. So this is how Job responds. Should I receive good from God and not receive evil? And the Bible tells us that in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. That's what shalom, peace, looks like. It is not the absence of problems. It is not the absence of struggles. Listen up, church. It is not the absence of a pandemic. It is the presence of God. It is this supernatural sense of completeness, soundness, and well-being that somehow you know that you will be okay even if nothing is okay. How many of us need that? Three of you, I'm so glad that the rest of you guys already are experiencing this peace. Isn't this what we all need? That's why Christmas is so important to celebrate. Because we must remember that this is Jesus and what he came to bring. Now, I want to argue that today, more than ever, we need to hear that message. I want to argue that today, more than ever, we need to embrace Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Why would I say that? Well, because we are all part of this world of anxiety. I think that every single one of us would agree with that. I don't think there's anybody here or worshiping with us online in which we don't agree that we will call this the age of anxiety. Study after study shows the same thing. From the youngest to the oldest, everyone is experiencing high levels of anxiety and fear. Now, I think it's important that we learn the difference between fear and anxiety. Because I think that sometimes we use them together. 
But, but I think that the Bible, when it talks about fear, for the most part, it's talking about this emotional warning in regards to something that is dangerous or could be dangerous right now. So fear has to do with this emotional warning that tells you something is wrong right now. Anxiety, on the other hand, is this emotional warning that something could be dangerous or wrong in the future. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those two, you know. Actually, I think that this is a gift from the Lord that he is giving us to experience and feel sometimes fear and sometimes anxiety if things are dangerous. But that's not the anxiety I'm talking about. I'm also not talking about clinical anxiety. That's a different thing. That could be a person that either developed something because of something they went through or because they were born that way. I'm not talking about that anxiety. I'm talking about the anxiety that every single person in this room, including the preacher, experienced. I'm talking about this anxiety that we all feel when we want to control things that we cannot control. I'm talking about this anxiety that we feel when we struggle trusting God. You know, the Bible makes that clear, you know. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says that we shouldn't worry too much. He calls us not to worry about what we're going to need and what we're going to eat and how we're going to dress because he cares for us. The opposite of that is true then. It's also true that when we worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to need and what we're going to go and if we're going to have what we need is because we lack, we are not trusting the God that cares for us. So that's the kind of anxiety I'm talking about. But there's one anxiety that usually people don't talk about. And it's the anxiety that we experience because we have divided hearts. This is what I mean by that. In Luke chapter 10, we have the story of Martha and Mary. Two ladies really close to Jesus to followers of Jesus. And Martha and Mary are hosting this gathering. They're having a life group experience, for those of you that are part of a life group. And Mary is sitting with Jesus, paying attention to the Bible study. Actually, Mary, I imagine, is one of those that's walking around with a highlighter, you know? She's highlighting everything in her Bible. I imagine Mary to be this lady that likes to write on the side of the Bible, circling things, underlining things, asking questions. That's Mary. But Martha, that loves the Lord, is doing something a little bit different. She's doing something good, church. She's serving others. You know, she's the one passing out the chips. She's the one passing out the drinks, coffee and tea because they're Christians, you know. These are the ones that is taking care that everyone is feeling welcome and loved. Anything wrong with that? Not at all. But the Bible says that she was distracted. Now, Martha does what any of us would do. If you look at your sister having a devotional time where you clean up, you go to Jesus and say, Look at what she's doing. Tell her to help me. 
And this is what Jesus says. You are worried. Actually, the word there is anxious. And upset about many things. But one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. You know what's interesting about that passage? That the word worry there, or anxious, literally means to be here and there. It means to be present and yet your heart all over the place. It is to be, it is to want to be with Jesus and with the same intensity be with other things. It is to want Jesus plus something else. It is to want to hang around with Jesus, but at the same time, finding your satisfaction, security, and significance in something else. And I'm going to speak to you, those of you that are Christian. That's why we struggle with anxiety. Because we love Jesus. But we love everything else just as much. Because we trust Jesus. But we trust everything else as much. Because we want to rest in the reality that Jesus is our satisfaction, security, and significance. And yet we live lives like if he's not the source of everything that is good. That's divided hearts. Do you know, do you, do you know why is it that we need Jesus as, a, as the Prince of Peace? Because you and I need to remember year after year that there's nothing better than Jesus. That there's nothing more fulfilling than Jesus. That there's nothing more beautiful than Jesus. That there's nothing more um, that will satisfy our longings more than Jesus. Part of the reason why we have to celebrate Christmas every year is because we are still anxious people in a desperate need of the Prince of Peace. Is that your Prince of Peace? Or are you looking for peace in created things that cannot give you what only God can give? Do you want shalom? Do you want this sense of completeness and soundness and well-being? Well, you need, once again, the Prince of Peace. The one that breaks into this world of anxiety. And he gives us what we need the most. Peace. You know what's ironic about that? This is what is ironic about that. That the Prince of Peace, in order to give us that peace... He had to lose his. Think about it. The most ironic thing about Jesus being the Prince of Peace is that in order for him to give you what you so much want, he had to first lose his eternal peace. Did you know that he lost his peace when he became a human being? Did you know that he lost his peace when he experienced what he had never experienced before? Think about it. Jesus has been uh, alive for eternity. Always in communion with the Father and the Spirit. Always living in eternity in a place of beauty and peace and joy and gratitude and everything else. 
And he breaks, in, he breaks into this broken world to experience the very thing that he had never experienced before. He had to lose his peace in order to give you what you so much want. This is the reason why if you are a Christian, you know that Jesus understands you. He has lived where you have lived. He has lived through the things that you have lived through. This is the reason if you're not a Christian, well, you got to come to him. No one understands you the way he understands you. And Jesus chooses to lose his peace. So you could get what you so much want. Actually, let me put it this way. Jesus not only experienced what he had never experienced before. And Jesus experiences what none of us have ever experienced before. As much as life is painful. As much as we have a struggle. As much as everything is sometimes complicated in life. None of us have experienced what Jesus experienced. You know what that is? The cross. None of us knows what it means to experience the ultimate fear. None of us know what it means to experience the ultimate worry. None of us know what it means to experience the ultimate anxiety. None of us have been nailed to a cross looking for the Father and having to cry out, why have you forsaken me? Do you know why none of us have been there? Because Jesus was there. This is part of the reason why we got to celebrate Christmas. Because he came to take what we deserve to give us what we don't deserve. His peace. Now, I don't know if you have ever asked yourself this question. Have you ever asked the question, why would Jesus be willing to go through all of that? Because he didn't need you and he didn't need me. I hope you know that. Because there's nothing that we could give him that he doesn't already have. Because I hope you know that we, we, don't, we don't add anything to him. Actually, the only thing that Jesus embraced when he came into this world and decided to save us was just a headache. Why would Jesus do this for us? And right at the end of Isaiah chapter 9, very last sentence, verse 7, it says this. That the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It tells us that the very reason why Jesus decided to come, becoming a human being, living the life that no one has lived, going to the cross to take what we deserve, is because of his zeal. Do you know what that is? How many of you guys have ever been in love? Can you raise your hand? Now, if you're married, you better raise your hand. <laughs> you guys remember? If you've never been in love, all right. But just try to understand this. Zeal is when you long for someone so and so much that it hurts. 
zeal is when you have this thing that you want to be with this person that it takes over your entire self. Zeal is this obsession with the person you love. Zeal is when your mind is controlled and your heart is controlled and your emotions is controlled because you long for that person that you love. Zeal is when someone desires another person so and so much that one exclusivity in that relationship. That's zeal. That's what it means to long for someone. You know what's crazy about this? That this is God longing for you. Is the God of the universe the perfect, omniscient, omnipotent, ever-present, almighty God longing for you. And this is why he came. And this is why he humbles himself. And this is why he comes into a broken world. And this is why he lives the lives he lives. And this is why he goes to a cross. And this is why he allows himself to be crucified. And this is the reason why he cries out, why have you forsaken me? And this is the reason why he says, it is finished. Because he was thinking of you. That's why we have to celebrate Christmas. He longed for you. So if you don't have a saving relationship with Jesus, I, don't, don't, don't walk away from him. And if you're already a Christian, don't ever forget why is it that you're a Christian. You have no idea what you mean to him. Amen? Did you know that Jesus not only gives you peace? He gives you a person. Peace is not a concept. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, in the midst of um, everything that we have been going through, in this 2021, in the midst of having lost so many loved ones, in the midst of uh, economic hardship, in the midst of having lost relationships and still people sick, in the midst of people loving politics more than loving you, in the midst of families being divided, in the midst of our world, Lord, that is full of anxiety and fear and worry. Oh, Lord, how much we need you as our Prince of Peace. 
Oh, what a gift you are, Lord, as our Prince of Peace. And I pray, Lord, that this Christmas may not be just another celebration, another religious celebration. But, Lord, I pray that this Christmas may be a season in which we embrace the greatest gift ever, Jesus Christ as our peace. The one that longed for us so and so much that became like one of us. The one that longed for all of us in such a way that died on our behalf. Please, Lord, help us embrace and believe and adopt that. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus and the church says,